0: fans and welcome back to another episode ben i've got an interesting factoid here for you have you ever heard of people in vegetative states do you know what that is i have
1: i have heard of this yes it's like a coma it
0: is but like more long term and people rarely wake up from them like when a person dead yeah when they're in a vegetative state you know they they can actually open their eyes and like wake up and sleep They have all their their basic uh, reflexes, right? So if you do the knee-tap thing, their legs are going to move. you've got their hand, like, and you squeeze it really hard, they, like, flinch away their hand. They have all these kinds of signs of life, but yet they are still brain-dead.
1: Okay, okay. I feel like Um, I can see where you're going with this, but continue. (laughs) uh, The Raptors this week are 3-1. and Uh,
0: Starting off pretty well on the road trip, I think the main question we have to answer is... Are they brain dead or are they maybe awakening from a coma? What's going on here with this team?
1: I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit scared right now because I think we wrote off this team. We thought they were dead. We thought there's no way that Messiah and Bobby aren't going to blow this up after they came off of three horrific losses to teams that were sitting players It's like they're, in 12th place in the east there's just there's no way that they can make a playoff push this team doesn't have the juice and then aaron all of a sudden freddie starts playing better gary is hitting a ton of threes scotty is starting to take that leap that oh we were wait no we don't <laughs> playing we can't better. go that far he's been playing better lately he's making nice passes he's finishing a little bit better around the rim precious achua back from injury Blossoming into a young Precious the Chua star. making it. I can get on board with that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Precious is looking pretty clean. He's finishing with more sophistication, I would say, around the rim. He's, and that Warriors got game better work.
0: Unreal finishes at the rim. But Ben, let, let's start at the beginning here. All right. So the Raptors coming off of this devastating stretch. They beat the New York Knicks Sunday in what feels like an eternity ago, one twenty five to one sixteen. Bringing the record to twenty one and twenty seven, Wednesday night, starting this big West Coast trip that we were talking about for weeks, as being like this is this is where the Raptor season is going to be decided. They they play at a hot Sacramento Kings team, in in Sacramento's territory where they light the beam, and they just trounce trounce the Kings one thirteen to 90, 95. That's one of their best wins, <laughs> maybe one of their best wins of the season. That's not that's not Cleveland related uh yeah and then they absolutely Fr-
1: obliterated them
0: yeah then friday they lost to the golden state warriors 129 to 117 this game was super competitive super close the warriors played really well hit a ton of shots down the stretch i thought this was a moral victory as far as losses go for the raptors uh and then saturday the raptors didn't quite obliterate the Portland Trailblazers. The game got close, but they're up for they're up by 20 for I would say like more than half the game. It did get close, but th- this was a good win away at the end of a back to back, at the end of three and four on the road. This is a good win for this Raptors team. So Ben, I'll ask you again. Are they brain dead? Are they alive? They're definitely
1: not brain dead. They're really? Because definitely... I think
0: they're absolutely still brain dead.
1: No, I like this team has talent and is starting to put some things together. I think the biggest reason why, like, I guess, what do you mean by brain dead? Like, are they a contender? No. Yeah. But could could they make a run at the playoffs and become a playoff team? Absolutely. Could they like sneak in as the seven or eight seed in the play-ins? Sure. Absolutely. Like this yeah. team could still make a push and make the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't. I don't
0: think there's anything. Nothing that we saw this week, like, yes, there's reasons why they won these games. They're playing well. We're going to talk about the biggest reasons why they're winning these games. This team's ceiling has not changed at all for me. They they are still a mediocre team. Yes, if they're healthy, which this team is, like, pretty healthy. We should know OG got injured this week. But aside from OG right now, they're pretty much perfectly healthy. And... I just, I just I don't see any kind of ceiling increase on this team. Like Scotty isn't isn't getting meaningfully
1: better. Right? Pascal if anything has gotten worse. Uh, I got yeah, some stats for you. Yeah, but are a bunch Pascal. of good players. Like it, it's the ceiling isn't super high, but the defensively is where I think all of the issues still reside. I thought offensively they've been playing really well now that the shooting's kind of re- settled back into being the their solid yeah. shooters are hitting yeah. threes. Like what we expected at the start of the season, their offense looks great. I think most of the time, it's great. Great is
0: great for the Raptors, which is great great for the Raptors. Raptors. Yes, yes.
1: no, and I think in terms of like offensive rating, they're they're in the top ten in the league for the last little stretch. I got some stats for you, Ben. For the last
0: month, for the month of January. All right, yeah. So we got about four weeks in here. Who do you think has been the Raptors' best offensive player? Van You're absolutely right. He is averaging 20 points, shooting 37% from three on nine attempts per game, averaging over seven assists. Pascal Siakam, remember his stat line from earlier in the season for the month of January? He is shooting 45% from the field, 28% from three on over four attempts per game. So it's not like he's not shooting, averaging six assists per game. At Turner, leading leading the team in uh, turnovers at three a game. No one else has more than one and a half. Pascal has really seen his role reduced as he's started playing well, and this is now Freddie's offense. Freddie is the main ball handler and shot creator for this team. That doesn't mean Pascal doesn't do that still, but Freddie is getting more more of the time with the ball in his hands. He's getting more of the shot creation responsibility. And lately, like this week, Freddie is playing like he did last season when he when he earned that All Star spot. And Pascal is uh, if he makes an All NBA team this season, total fraud. Again, like just I don't like I don't see how I don't see how NBA Raiders, like he's a good player, right? But the, this league is so stacked that there's just there's no way Pascal Siakam deserves to be on an All NBA team.
1: I don't agree with that. I think Pascal Siakam, yeah, there's been a bit of a shooting slump this month, but he's such a well-rounded player. Like Even when he's not is he? He great, can't shoot.
0: If people don't guard him. Have you seen the arc on his shot? It's like this moon ball now, and he airballs like made, half of them.
1: Why are you so focused on threes? A, he still because, hits a few threes every because game.
0: Because spreading the floor is a huge part of being versatile and an all round player. Yes, he can do a lot of things well, but his defense, not that great. If his we if we look at solid. if we look at stocks like steals and blocks combined, he has by far the lowest of any of the starters or or people that get major minutes, right? Or I'm talking about Precious Achua plus all the starters.
1: His his
0: defense, he's definitely not an anchor. He's one of the reasons why, like in terms of blown rotations and stuff like that, he's one of the reasons why this team's defense is pretty average. Yes. He does some things well, and in a better team with more, be more protection, he'd be more valuable. But he's not fixing this Raptors' D.
1: No, that's that's true. He's not fixing. He's not the solution for the Raptors' defense. But I think offensively, he's the only guy on this team that consists consistently force double teams, and that's super valuable. Like he is still a problem one on one, even mm-hmm. if he's not shooting great. And like I think process wise. He's still playing pretty well. He gets to the line consistently. Like just because like the shooting numbers aren't great, it's like yeah, there's there's ebbs and flows in the season. In terms of the process, I'm still happy with how he's playing. I don't yeah, think there's I'm any with issues too. with what I'm just he's saying doing.
0: The the all NBA talk for a guy that doesn't space the floor isn't the primary creator. And also, when Pascal Siakam creates, he creates as a ball stopper. The ball sits in his hand. He jabs steps. He does these slow post moves. The defense is totally set. They can send a double team. It's hard. It's hard for him to be a shot creator and also flow within the offense. He kind of has to choose to do one or the other, which overall like hurts this team's offensive capabilities. There's a big reason why with Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam leading this team's offense for the last two years, why they have one of the worst offenses in the league. And it's because these guys aren't that good at it. and, If you want to vote Pascal Siakam all NBA for being a maybe above average defender and being a maybe maybe above average offensive player in totality go ahead but like I I think you're dead wrong
1: I mean if he if he plays like this last month for the rest of the season yeah he's going to slip out of all NBA contention because the offense just hasn't been efficient enough but if you just look at the whole season in totality mm-hmm. so far. The, the
0: numbers are nice, but there's a but you have to look at sort of the team context. Like the players he's playing with aren't that bad for them to be like a below 500 team, right? It's like, I think the main guys bear a lot of the brunt for being good players, but not great players. And yeah, sometimes they put the stats of great players because they have the ball in their hands all the time. And the whole offensive inflation, pace of the league... You know, teams just getting more efficient with giving their best players the ball more often, right? It becomes hard. You, you look at Pascal Siakam's numbers, like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what he's averaging, like 25 points a game, eight rebounds, seven assists, something like that. It's like, oh, that's definitely all NBA. But there's so many guys there that are putting up similar numbers to that. Right. And I just I can't get on board with seeing Pascal as being a top 15 player this season, playing the way that he does with what he also takes away from you. His strengths aren't that strong and he has real weaknesses.
1: Yeah, he, he has some weaknesses. I just don't think that the Raptors' other options are that tantalizing. No, like, I'm, I'm not saying they should that be giving the ball to anyone better. else. Yeah, I'm just it, saying
0: that as an all nba I can't take it seriously.
1: Mm, I mean, I don't want to judge all NBA until the end of the season. Like, but yeah, even, it's, even
0: people as have him as a lock for the all-star game. Like
1: and some people he like, absolutely is a lock for the all-star game. Would you rather
0: have Jimmy Butler? Or Pascal
1: Siakam, like Jimmy Butler, is a better player than Pascal Siakam. Yeah, but Jimmy Butler's also going to make the All Star team.
0: Some so... people don't <laughs> like, like I just don't understand. Well, why like he's the only a argument lock.
1: for that would be like Jimmy Butler not playing enough, or I don't know what his season's been like. I haven't. He's probably more missed more games.
0: I don't really care about missed games that much. But I just, I just don't understand. Like I think he should make the All Star team. I just don't understand why he's a lock. And this is this is the only Because he's like, in a clear cut tier
1: of all-star level players. And also, Aaron, I think the minutes workload that he has like deserves some recognition. He leads the league in minutes played. And it's like that that deserves
0: something. So, some some you old know, school people are going to love horse. that. Yeah. He's but it, but that either. does matter.
1: Yeah. Like a person that actually shows up and plays the games and isn't resting half the time, taking off the second nights of back to backs is like that does have value having your best players on the floor for longer periods of time like you can argue about whether long term that's a good a strategy for Nick Nurse but like he's productive when he's on the court and that matters <laughs> so i don't know like it's is he the best player in the league no of course not but i think he p- provides a lot of value to this team and he's not the reason that the record is under 500 and a lot of like Let's talk about that record as well, because I think this team has gotten somewhat unlucky. Really? Like I think their net rating make an would argument. argue their net rating would argue that they're about a 500 team, and they're like five yeah, because they games blow the, Spur,
0: the Spurs by 50 points that one game.
1: Come on, that's not like, the that's no, part of that, it. <laughs> Every team has these blowouts, right? But and, okay,
0: here here's a counter argument: is one teams rest their best
1: players against the Raptors
0: so any that happened kind of like net rating in three thing games. That is a, happen- little, that, is a little fake
1: that is not true though that's like that happened in three games in a fluke little stretch that is not like a real argument players know. get rested all the time there's injuries For sure. you're facing teams For at sure. different stages like
0: i don't know that the, yeah their record in close games is probably a little bit worse than it should be but also this team really fucking sucks in the clutch because they have such a terrible offense in the half court. And that's kind of like when you can't get into the transition and you can't play fast anymore because teams are slowing it down. Like that's when this team's at its worst. So like on balance, I would expect them to have a below average record in the clutch. And and they do, maybe, maybe it's too far, but I don't I don't really think if you want to talk about luck, this team has been abnormally healthy this season which is uh, they've had the most continuity probably in the league. So when we talk about luck, I, I can't get on board with this team being unlucky. If anything, I would say that they've been a bit lucky with sort of how the randomness that, that really affects how the season goes has, has been.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like, I don't know. I, I don't think they're especially unlucky or lucky in terms of health. Like right now they're in a healthy stretch. But they've been in a healthy
0: stretch for this entire month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is great. But, but most of the now, season too, right?
0: Like, Freddie was in and out for a bit. Pascal Siakam hurt his groin. Like, outside of that, just Precious
1: team... was out for a really yeah. long stretch. Yeah. Like, it, I don't think their, this is... This their, is main guys,
0: their main guys have been pretty healthy by NBA standards, I'd say. And also, like, they, they don't really rest people either, right? They, like, they their starters lead the league in minutes
1: you know it's just yeah so basically to sum up this talk you think this 3 and 1 stretch this week is absolutely meaningless and i think they they are in the tank you don't think this is any indications of this team figuring out any elements of like their cohesion and playing together and guys are just starting to play better now and so i think might a big part higher.
0: a big part of this week is playing the kings warriors and blazers all these teams are really small and pretty bad on defense, and I think that's really helped the Raptors' offense look good. Freddie has been amazing against the, the Blazers. We saw the Raptors just do lots of interior passing and it just bully the Blazers because they have three bigs to the Blazers' one or two. And Nurkic was hurt. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, they they obliterated the Blazers inside and against the Kings as well. Sabonis has been beasting everybody this season. He looks like borderline unplayable against the Raptors. They, he had one of, I think he played really poorly, but they also did a great job of making him uncomfortable. He turned the ball over so many times and just could never They're get just, anything going. Yeah, the Raptors have
0: a ton of length to throw at him and those sort of the dribble handoffs and pick and rolls that he likes to do. Uh, they did a great job swarming that and, and disrupting it. I thought, but, but yeah, like they've taken advantage of teams that I think they match up well against. And don't have good defenses to to get these wins, and yes, they are nice wins, but I wouldn't count on this being replicable against teams with better defenses who match up better with the Raptors, who have more size. So, I'm I'm not I'm not changing my mind on this team. I think this is the best stretch, the best week of the season that they've had, where they you know had two nice wins and. Uh, you know, a, a very competitive loss against you know one of the best teams in the league when that team's playing well and at home they usually have. So,
1: yeah, and I want to dive into that Warriors game a little bit more because if you're gonna watch one game this week, this is the game to watch. <laughs> but the Raptors' defense in this game, they had such a hard time with all the cutting that the Warriors do. They missed yeah. so many switches and gave up. Like it felt like. 10-15 free layups that were just uncontested at the rim because of just blown switches and blown coverages like it, it felt like they just hadn't properly prepped for the Warriors and they hadn't done enough scouting and their players were just on on the defensive end it, w- it was it looked like a complete mess and they were the, pretty the fortunate I thought yeah. yeah but I thought they were like pretty fortunate to be in this game with good shooting that like the run of play. I thought the Warriors, the Warriors were played a lot better. Team, this, this but, felt like yeah. a fake close game to me where like, they just had no way to stop Steph. No, no. And he was, and Steph no one was, does. Steph but... was on
0: it tonight. Like, or not tonight. He was on it. This game, 13 of 21, 11 assists, 35 points, you know, leading the team with plus 13, actually Dante DiVincenzo led the team with plus 24. Uh, Jordan Poole did not have a good game out of all the starters. He was pretty much the only one with a negative rating. But, you know, Steph and, you know, Clay was just shooting whenever he touched the ball, uh, which is, you know, classic Clay. But uh, Jonathan Kaminga had a stretch in,
1: in the beginning of the uh,
0: fourth quarter and the third where he had four straight
1: threes. Uh, yeah, yeah which I guess this, that's also a bit fluky. Like the yeah. Warriors got a bit lucky on the shooting as well. But. but yeah,
0: Steph Steph only went four of eight from three. You know, Clay only went six of 14. They, they could have done better there. But
1: yeah, the
0: Warriors are clearly the better team, but also like the Raptors were, were playing well and keeping up with them. You know, this Pascal Siakam had a miserable game. Eight of 26 on the floor.
1: Which I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go on Pascal's side here. I know you hate talking about refing, but some of the calls Curry was getting in this game, driving to the basket, getting the slightest of bumps where he would lean into a defender, bounce off them. They'd call and one layups on him. Siakam would be getting way more physical play from Draymond and Looney inside. And they're just swallowing their whistles. Like there, there definitely is a bit of a double standard when it comes to star players. And I don't know. It's just like it's just the contrast in this game to me was pretty stark in terms of the level of physicality that was allowed inside. That's you're just not even. You're gonna. I'm not going to acknowledge that. With that's a, ref talk. Yeah. You're going to acknowledge that that's a true point and move on. All right.
0: No, I I don't know. I, I I didn't notice that when I was watching the game. I just thought Pascal took a lot of bad shots and didn't make them. But.
1: No, he got fouled all the time. Anyways, I'll get off my Siakam high horse. He didn't have the best game. Yeah, definitely not. So do we want to talk
0: about the, the Blazers game for a little bit? Because uh, I thought this, this was probably precious that she was maybe his best game of the season. He showed a lot of you know, big man craft finishing around the rim, moving guys around. Defensively, he didn't, he didn't nail everything. But he had a couple of big blocks. He had he disrupted a lot of shots. Since he's come back, just the the idea of Christian Coloco is just so much less appealing. And he's he's pretty much been stable to the bench and doesn't play anymore. Uh, but yeah, Precious Dachuah, if if OG comes back, what would you do with this rotation, assuming you're still trying to win games?
1: I. I feel like it makes sense to have Gary come off the bench. If Gary plays well coming off the bench, because there's some players that are just more comfortable in the starting lineup. And I think historically Gary has been one of those guys, but if Gary is comfortable with the bench role, I feel like just like you get him with the bench lineups where he can just take as many shots as he wants. That makes sense in my head. Cause like defensively with precious Achua in the starting lineup, I think they become a lot more dangerous. He covers up a lot of their issues with no rim protection. But also so just I think like he... switchability, right?
0: Like he can guard on the perimeter almost as well as he can. And like people can drive by him and he can stick right with them and contest their shot at the rim. He's so good. Yeah,
1: he he's an elite defender. And this team, their biggest issue to me right now is just their defense has been so problematic all season. This is a team that on paper, you would think of as being elite. But we've talked about death, their point of attack defense, and their lack of rim protection. They're trying to force guys to the rim, but then they can't actually stop them. <laughs> and it's it's like they need precious at 2 out there or some other center, someone, someone else that can block shots. They don't and have so, another guy. Yeah, and as well as Gary Trent has played, I think he's the odd man out here in the starting lineup because Precious Situak can kind of shoot threes and so it's like the, the spacing doesn't get totally destroyed. It's either him or Scotty and I just don't think it's feasible to take Scotty out. Like you mean Scotty is much more of a like Scotty is a good player still. Like I think Gary Trent maybe right now is a better player than Scotty Barnes, but Scotty Barnes I think is a better glue guy with the starting lineup. And then you can play him and Gary with the bench lineups and have a decent offense when Fred or Pascal is sitting. Like, would you would, you would take Scotty out, wouldn't you?
0: I actually don't know what I would do, but Precious is making a pretty compelling argument that he needs to be getting starter minutes. Obviously, he could do that continuing off the bench, but this team just looks so much better on defense with Precious playing a lot, and just to. You know, we're talking about Precious Achiuwa having his best game of the season. He got 27 points, 13 rebounds on 11 of 16 shooting. Just a lot of a lot of really impressive stuff around the rim. You know, finishing alley oops, uh, being really good in that dunker spot, even pick and roll. Just he's doing that big man stuff for the Raptors that he didn't really have the craft to do, mind you. This is like one of the best possible matchups in the league. Like they don't have like Drew Banks was starting this game. They have a bunch of like young big guys, and they're kind of small still. So he can—he's bigger than them, he's stronger than them. Against most teams, that's not going to be the case. But just the fact that he can do this against a mismatch is pretty—I got shivers watching it just because the Raptors haven't. No one else in on this team's able to
1: do what Precious does, and uh, yeah, it was a really encouraging game from him. Yeah, but it just it wasn't just this game. I think he's been playing consistently well. Not yes. all the games. He's not scoring 27 points every night, but he's knowing when to pick his spots much better than he did in the past. I feel like it's not just always go 100% taking three charges every game. It's much more like, "Oh, I have a mismatch. I can attack this and I'm going to go in and like there's pump fakes, there's hesitations." It's not just driving, using his strength to try and get to the rim and outmuscle yeah. people. He
0: was he was playing more under control with a with more intelligence. I think there was one pass that he made when he kind of drove and didn't have anything and passed it out to no one for a turnover. Yeah. yeah outside of that, there there no. weren't really any any plays that were just like, oh, that's a precious play, right? So he, yeah, the fact that he's able to to play as much as he does while limiting those is is. You know, we're seeing the growth from him and the maturation as a player. And I mean, I think if he keeps, if he, he doesn't have to get much better to be a longtime starter in the NBA.
1: Yeah. I think he's pretty much already there. Just like the offense is enough now and defensively he's a monster. And so I think you can put him in almost every lineup and his shooting seems pretty real at this point. Like, I think when I watch him shoot, I'm never mad that he's taking a three. Yeah. Have, yeah. The releases look like <laughs> maybe clean. on a better
0: team you would be mad, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, maybe if he's playing on the Warriors, it's a different yeah. story. But he's shooting he's shooting
0: twenty-five percent from three uh, this year on two point two attempts per game. So we don't really have any kind of sample size here, but this year he's shooting seventy-five percent from the line, you know. so like we haven't we haven't really seen the team that is like taking everything away and just leaving precious wide open yet. And I don't think teams want to do that because they probably think that he can nail wide open threes if you give it to him. So yeah. You know, encouraging stuff from him in terms of just I believe the way in it teams much are playing
1: more than playing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and to, uh, to Scotty Barnes, I think precious is a better shooter than Scotty Barnes is as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I, Scotty also kind of feels like he's developing the, like the release is getting a bit faster I don't know. We don't need to talk about Scotty's development. I know you hate him, Aaron, but I'm pretty optimistic. Yeah, well,
0: playing. let's talk a little about Scotty this week. He he definitely he showed some of the same warts, like just inexplicably missed layups. You know, not not finishing stuff around the rim, getting blown by. Like he's a big reason why the Warriors look so good uh, on offense. But he also showed a bit more craft. Some really nice passes on offense. Uh, he was able to. to Against the Warriors, he was able to do some stuff with his size and just bullying his way to the rim. He made a couple of nice finishes over Kevin, Kevin Looney. Um, I don't like, he, he's, he's not playing as bad as he was before. Like, he wasn't actively hurting you, and he was, he's being active and sort of doing what he can do, which isn't crazy efficient, but it's also not, you know, it's not, it's not crippling this team either.
1: Yeah, but I think the biggest thing for me is that he's also become a more consistent playmaker. Like this week, he averaged seven assists a game, and with, yeah, uh, with the Raptors points. put the
0: ball in his hands because he can sometimes he can do stuff with it, just in terms of passing and hitting cutters or you know attracting two people by pulling his way to the rim and then making the right read from there. Yeah,
1: and and he's been consistently the backup point guard now when Fred Van Vliet sits. Scotty Barnes is the guy that's running the second unit a lot of the time and doing a solid job at it. Like it, it nothing it's there's nothing too amazing, but it's it's becoming more consistent at least. Like I think the night to night there's not just nights where he's invisible and barely touching the ball and barely involved. I think you could still make an argument that it's like when Fred and Siakam are on the floor, they need to find ways to get Scotty more involved in the offense. Because if he's just in the dunker spot, like, I think he, they need to do more stuff with him in the pick and roll, getting him it's, touches. Because I think just they forget about with,
0: him. Like We talked at the beginning of the season about sort of, hey, like the, the Raptors can play all these six nine guys together. Him and Siakam, with the way Siakam's been playing this last month, are just so redundant like they do almost the exact same thing and they have the exact same weaknesses. And it's just, it's hard to play them together because one of them is just sitting in the dunker spot, not really doing anything, which in modern NBA offense is just like, that's a help at the rim and, you know, easy guy to help off of and limit your spacing. So.
1: Yeah. I I do have concerns about their long-term fit together. That's for sure. It's tough to get, to get away with two shoot, like non shooters on the floor. But also like if they're, if they are going to, if you're going
0: to ask them to create, they create in the same way where they try to get to the rim by taking these five second drives and then making good passes. Right. It's
1: yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of possessions that end with about three Raptors. in the paint. <laughs> just, Yeah. Sometimes volleyballing just... tipping the ball yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's true.
0: All right, Ben. I have a question for you. If you were the Raptors ahead of this trade deadline, let's be realistic here. Last week, and I, I'll be clear here. I want the Raptors to trade all four of their vets, Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet, O.G. Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. I think that's extremely unlikely to happen for a variety of reasons. we can go into those later. But Ben, the question I wanted to ask you, which of the guys, if you had to keep two of the guys, which are the guys you'd want to keep from a value point of view? Like how much could you get back from a building this team point of view? Like who, what are the long-term pieces here that make sense? Because like, I, I just don't, I don't see this front office wanting to or being able to trade all four guys.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because I think when you're looking at this from a long-term perspective, the biggest factor that you have to put into play here is we're, st- we're on Scotty's timeline or whatever draft picks we get in the near future if they turn into star players. It's like we're on the timeline of young players now. And so for me, it becomes pretty tough to make a compelling argument for holding on to Siakam and Freddie. They're at the peak of their values right now. And like you're going to this this off season you're going to have to pay Freddie next offseason. You're going to have to pay Pascal and you're going to be paying Pascal into his 30s, Freddie into his 30s. Does it make sense to have those guys around when you're retooling and probably a couple years away from looking like you're going to get back into contention? So I think to me, those are the top two guys. And from all the reporting I've heard, it seems like Gary Trent's the most likely guy to get traded. He's twenty-four and, years old. And also OG
0: is the most is the easiest guy to move because he fits on every team. Yeah. There's so the most there's like a real, OG <laughs> there's a real conundrum here, right? Where it's like OG fits on a rebuild on rebuilding this team. It's tough. You could always trade him next season as well, right? But you can't... He's impossible to extend because he makes too little money. But the, but he fits on every team, so you could get a lot of value for him. You could definitely get a bidding war. You could see that, right? But then, you know, your best players are these vets who don't fit your timeline,
1: right? Yeah, but I think I'm actually the most okay with trading OG just because I... I don't see any more potential for him. I think like he is what he is. The offense just hasn't changed in like three years. I actually like, I love OG,
0: you know, it's been awesome having him on the Raptors. He's, you know, he's a very good NBA player. I really want to see him in a playoff series on, on a super competitive team. So I think that's when he could really thrive and just, you know, execute his role like a superstar does, you know, in terms of just like bringing an incredible amount of value to a guy who doesn't need the ball on offense and just locks people down on defense. Like, I feel like he could be so good in a playoff series just doing that and he could be a real difference maker. He's not going to be that on this team. So I want to see him somewhere else where he can do that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I, I don't think he has a ton of value when you're rebuilding and you're looking at guys that, like who can you give the keys to the offense to? We know the answer to that is not OG and like he has value, but I think it's worth getting, if you can get three picks for him, you do that in a heartbeat. I I just think when you're rebuilding, you're, you're trying to find stars and OG isn't that star. The guy that I'm like a little bit scared to get rid of now is Gary Trent. I really? love the way he's been playing recently. He just seems like such a good shooter now. Every time he takes a jumper, it, it just seems like it's going in. Yeah,
0: but he's always been a good shooter. Yes, he was in a slump in the beginning of the season, but now the shots are going in. You can't reevaluate him. He's still the same
1: guy. Like, yeah, it's just but the shots he, but are if, falling. But if he is like, if he is actually one of the best shooters in the league, though, that's yeah, just such a valuable role. It right, like, but also having... he doesn't
0: do anything else. That hasn't changed.
1: I know, but you don't need to do anything else. Having movement shooters is just so nice for your offense. It like, is. I just it is. Feel like it frees up so much stuff for other guys as well. And it's just like, I don't know, just having a guy that can just get a bucket, it just, it just feels really good to have that. But I'm like a little bit scared about trading him away and just where our offense is going to go.
0: Oh, I mean... Yeah, trading any of these guys, even OG, like it's not with who's on this team right now, assuming you don't get real guys back, it's going to hurt the offense because we're, we're, we're playing like now we're playing Thaddeus Young, right? Or Chris Boucher. So,
1: yeah, it's or Malachi Flynn, and it's just a train wreck. But I like, guess the real question with Gary is like, you have to trade him if you don't want to pay him probably close to 25 million a year in the yeah. off season. Yeah. And it's like, if that's a number you can't stomach, then we should be looking at trading him. Mm-hmm. But I've like, this has been stewing in my brain for the last couple of days. Is it really that bad to pay Gary Trent, like 23, $24 million a year? Like with the salary cap kind of continuing to go up, I, like these numbers seem insane, but is it really that crazy of a number for the value he provides as an offensive weapon? I don't know. I, I
0: I think that's still, even with contract inflation, which I think people need to take into account for like everything, because all the numbers now are kind of mind boggling. If you were kind of, if you were in a vegetative state and woke up, you know, if you're in a vegetative state for the last five years, right. All the numbers would seem insane. Right. But this is just the modern NBA. I think 25 million for, for, Gary Trent is still a little bit more than I'd be comfortable paying just be, I think his best role on a winning team is like a sixth or seventh guy and maybe in the right matchup, he can close like close the game for you just because outside of being a spot up shooter or being able to like come off screens and stuff like that. He just doesn't do anything else on offense well enough to have the ball in his hand. Like if he is a creator for your bench, and you don't have a starter who can sort of get the ball in his hands a lot more. Your bench isn't going to be very good on offense. He's going to take a lot of bad twos. He's not going to be able to get to the rim. He's a horrible passer, right? And then on defense, there's a lot of matchups where he just can't stay in front of anyone. So I think ultimately his best role is still like a definitely a rotation piece on a really good team, but probably not getting more than 30, like probably not getting starter-level minutes in the playoffs. So 25 million for those guys is it's a lot of money.
1: So what would be a number that you would be comfortable paying him? Is it 20 if million? He, like if, if, he co- wanted if he to just to come back for 20 it, million for four. If he years? just wanted
0: to extend his current contract, like the extension rules are pretty tight on terms of what you can offer him, right? And I
1: think he's getting what 20 million now. It's like 18.
0: Yeah, so it it would basically go up to like 19, 20, 21, something like that. I'd be comfortable paying that. I think that is a tradable contract as well. Twenty-five is just like, you know, that's just a lot of a lot of room. It's not a huge is, difference, but like with yeah. his
1: age, I think it's always going to be a tradable contract, even if it's a slight overpay. Like it just only it gets harder because
0: because the more expensive you are, the harder it is to fit onto trading him to a winning team, which is those are the teams that are going that are gonna be trading for Gary Trent in the future, right. A team that wants to upgrade their spacing, you know, upgrade their depth. Right. And 25 million, it's like, well, how many, how many teams have guys that are making close to that much or that much money that they're willing to trade for Gary Trent, right. 20 million is much easier to get to for end of bench guys that just don't really play for them anymore. You know, like a lot of teams have an auto Porter type that just gets hurt and then, you know, it's fudging together. Another contract is, is much easier to do. So yeah, it's only $5 million a difference there, but that, that's where I would draw the line. If he doesn't okay. want to extend off of this contract, and he just wants to go to free agency to see if he can get to 25000000 million, I'm out. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think that probably is the state of things right now, where he's going to try and get as much money as he can make in the offseason, as he should like that. That's the smart play to make as a player, get your money. And there might be a team out there that's willing to pay him that much. And so I think that's the risk you have to take as the Raptors is like, do you just, you either have to make the decision now to trade him or in the off season, you
0: yeah, hope another team doesn't lose. offer yeah. him this overpay
1: because yeah. otherwise you might lose him for nothing or you match that and give him the same amount of money. But he might not take that because
0: he's an he's a unrestricted yeah. free agent if he wants to be. Yeah, and he can go wherever Maybe he maybe wants, he wants to phasing. go to a team. Even if you match it, he might go to a team where he just gets the ball a lot more and can,
1: can take yeah, more shots. Yeah, but I don't know. Right? I, so. I feel like the Raptors have treated him pretty well in terms of like how many more shots does he really want to take. I, I think they're utilizing him... To close to like the maximum capability. Players are not rational. And, <laughs> That's true. And I don't That's know. True. Yeah. I feel like and we are learned friends that less with than OG times, If they but... trade OG, who knows? Yeah. 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 All right. Aaron, did you agree with like my, who would you be the people that you would most want to trade? The guy I would want to trade most is Pascal Siakam, just because of his
0: fit with Scotty Barnes. I've said a million times how like, I don't love Scotty Barnes as a pro as a prospect But also just guys like Pascal Siakam, I think are so overrated because you have to fit the rest of your team around them because to be productive, they need the ball. They don't space the floor just offensively. He really puts a ceiling on what you can do while also like demanding the ball to be effective in a lot of ways. He's like DeMar DeRozan 2.0. And, you know he's a good player a floor raiser can can create a, like somewhat efficient offense for himself and other people he does a lot of nice things but just as as looking at this team from a long way away Pascal Siakam I think is one of the biggest obstacles to this team a tanking but also reaching a higher ceiling and so I would Pascal Siakam's the guy I'd want to trade if you wanted to effectively tank this season trading Fred VanVleet would just put a nuclear bomb on this team's offense. (laughs) Can you imagine this team's, like, just their ability to dribble the ball up the court would be seriously compromised without Fred VanVleet. The shooting would be incredibly bad. Even, like, Fred VanVleet has looked a lot better this week, not just on offense, but also just the point of attack defense. He's been much feistier, right? And it's like, he's the only guard on this team that can stay in front of anyone. So, you know, if you wanted to tank this season, trade Fred Van VanVleet because I don't know if it's realistic to trade both guys long term. I, I, long term, I want Pascal gone. Short term for Wemby, it makes a, maybe a little bit more sense to trade Freddie. I think you could also get maybe more for Freddie at this point than, than Pascal as well.
1: You think you get more for Fred than Pascal? No way. No way.
0: What? What I, playoff team? Like, yeah, maybe there's a deal out there for, like, Phoenix or something for for Pascal Siakam. Just, I can't see a lot of teams wanting a guy. What what playoff team needs a creator who can't space the floor,
1: right? But I'm just going to say this. Like, Pascal is not getting traded unless it's for... Three first round picks exactly, but and, that's also a young player. Fred would get traded, I think, for two first round picks. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's it, and matching yeah, salary. But that's also that... why another
0: reason why I think it's harder to move Pascal is just because I think the ask yeah. is also bigger, but the fit yeah. is way harder, right? There's just less teams that that in, less, especially playoff teams, that it makes sense to have Pascal Siakam on. And they just not like, yeah, they might pay the price that they would for Fed Van Bleak, but just the Raptors are probably gonna ask for more than that, which I think is is wrong and short-sighted
1: because, yeah.
0: but that's, I think the reality of what it is.
1: Yeah. I, I, I just want to talk a little bit. We didn't acknowledge this when we talked about the Portland game, that stretch at the end of the game where Fred Van Vliet, after getting, he got a double technical because Nasir little blocked the shit out of him on a layup and then was talking, smacked him on the ground. Fred got up and was just started barking staring, at staring him. Staring up at him, not staring down. <laughs> Yeah. And then, but after that play, Fred yeah. just played like an absolute monster. He got a yeah. huge block on Jeremy Grant, of all people, and was just like all over the place on defense, carrying them on offense. Like he had a pretty quiet game up to that point. But it's just like, I don't know. Freddy can still hoop with the best of them. And I think there's been so much Fred slander this season that now that he started playing again, well, again, I should say. It's like, it's just clear to me that this guy can still help a playoff team. And if you're a contender and like the Raptors do make all these players available, like there definitely should be offers for Fred. I, there's a lot of Raptors fans have been like, let's just dump Fred for nothing. Like, no, we should be no, getting no, real no. offers for Fred because yeah. he still is an awesome player. Yeah, absolutely. And the salary is like a good one.
0: And obviously, you would have to reach some kind of. One thing we haven't talked about, which is actually a huge deal for this team and Fred VanVleet, he changed agents this past week, which usually you don't change your agent unless he basically fundamentally disagrees with what you should be asking for in upcoming contract negotiations, right? Fred VanVleet, I think that's a sign that this... This agent is saying, here's how much I think you can get on the market. And Fred Van Vliet said, no, I think I can get more. I think I should get more. We disagree. I want a new agent. Like I think that's what we have to assume, right? Mm -hmm. So that maybe makes it a little bit harder to trade him because whatever team would be trading for him would be wanting to extend him. But they, like, obviously it's illegal to do this, but this is what everyone does is they basically reach these contract understandings when they trade for someone and then obviously they can't sign the extension until the off season but but then you know there's sort of a trust a relationship there
1: and yeah there's like a handshake exactly
0: yeah. an illegal handshake that, that yeah. can't be you know like if Fred VanVleet you know yeah a horrible injury maybe that voids it but basically like this contract extension would be agreed to when when Fred VanVleet gets traded which maybe gunsing up a little bit but there's a couple teams like either really bad teams that are comfortable paying him a lot or a team like the Clippers that doesn't really have a point guard that doesn't care about money and be, if they get his bird rights, they can sign him to anything they want. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a real risk if the Raptors don't make a move before the deadline for Freddie, that in the off season, there's going to be a bidding war for him. There's, it's not a great, great free agent class, there's a lot of rebuilding teams that are salivating and have been circling like vultures wanting Fred Van Vliet. The Orlando Magic is a team that's been rumored to really want Freddie. And I don't think they have any reason to trade for him at the deadline. I think they'll wait till the offseason. They've got lots of cap space. They're just going to give Freddie a big offer. Like I think he, at minimum, he's going to get paid $30 million a year potentially higher than that. If the two teams get in a bidding war, you could see him get paid something close to $35 million a year. And that's a scary number for a guy that when he does get hurt, does not look good when he's playing, right? Like he needs to have the peak of his athletic powers. And so you really wonder what his decline is going to look like mainly on the defensive end. I think that's, that's where I'm really concerned because part of his value has been that he's been a great defender that hasn't really been the case this season, but when he has been healthy, he looks pretty solid on that end still. Yeah, absolutely. Two, three years from now, with more wear and tear, I think he's played <laughs> like some he's, of most minutes, yeah. he's like top five in minutes for the last like five, six years. Maybe like not he's that had many, such yeah, three he's four had years, s- yeah. such a workload on him that. Yeah, like I, I think that you have to think about that a little bit if you're the Raptors and wanting to sign him to a bigger, a long term deal. And so that's just, I think that's where you get to the point as this team where it's like, it just makes sense to trade everybody because bringing these guys back at these contracts feels risky. And you just know that this core is not quite good enough. It's going to be an expensive team and it's not going to be a great team. And that's just not a good combination.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Another team, Houston Rockets, we talked to them before next year. Their their pick is top four protected. So it's unlikely that they're going to be tanking so they need a point guard so and badly and they desperately need a point guard someone that can play defense someone that can you know be a leader so and th- yeah there, there's a number of teams in free agency that look like from the raptors perspective real threats to overpay <laughs> and, and t- poach Fred VanVleet so yeah there is extra impetus there to, to trade him with with Siakam the danger in not trading him is that you need to extend him this offseason most likely and that becomes scary too. So a little bit further away, but still decisions will likely need to be made this off season, uh, you know, with all of these guys. So it's easier if you don't, if you're not locked in to just trade them. We said that a million times, but Ben, I think the, this initial discussion started with me saying they're, they're not going to trade all four guys. I'm like, I'm not running this team. They're not going to trade all four guys. Yeah. You've, I think you and me both have arrived that if they are going to trade someone, it should be one of, if not both, of Pascal and Freddie. I think it's I think it's they're unlikely to trade both of them. I agree. And I think the most likely thing is that they trade they trade one of those guys and then OG and Obi, and maybe they somehow find, find a way to, you know, arrive at an understanding with Gary Trent to extend him. Interesting. So I think that is, is the, the most likely scenario. There's a ton of other scenarios where you could see them trading Gary Trent, but not OG, and yeah, you know, or just not trade anyone, right? But I think trading
1: one of these guys makes
0: makes the most sense.
1: I I can't, my hunch right now is that Gary OG and Fred all get traded. That's what what my gut is telling me because I think it just makes too much sense to trade Freddie and Gary just because of their contracts and being scared of paying them. And then OG, I think you're just going to get an awesome offer for him that you can't really turn down. New Orleans or Memphis, one of those teams is going to pay the big bucks to get OG. And I just don't I'm not convinced they're gonna get an offer that's good enough for Siakam that they feel like it's worth it to trade him. And so they'll take a step back this year, try and get a good pick, and then try and rebuild around Siakam and Scotty. And I mean, not not the best fit there, but you know, like Siakam is really good. And I think if you're not getting great value for him, maybe you'll get a better value in the off season, who knows? that's that's what my gut is telling me right now but i don't know there's been so many gary trent rumors that is, people just are saying that he's the likeliest to get traded if anyone's getting traded it's gary these, these rumors i think have like, almost
0: no basis in reality like i'm not saying that they're wrong i'm just saying that rumors are just rumors right and we shouldn't be like oh this guy's more likely to get traded because he's been in more rumors i don't think that's yeah, true
1: but when there's smoke there's fire Sometimes. Right. but sometimes. Do, What do you think the percentage chances that we hold on to everybody at the deadline? Like, let's say this team wins like three out of four this week. And you know what? The segues perfectly into let's talk about the schedule for this week and look forward to how they might fare in these pivotal games before the deadline. And then, then we'll answer this question. So our road trip continues with four away games this week, Monday. We've got the Phoenix Suns, Wednesday, the Utah Jazz, Friday, the Houston Rockets, and then Sunday, the Memphis Grizzlies. So Houston, free win. The other teams, not so much. And I mean, I hesitate to say free win because our team is so consistent. <laughs> but, you know, Utah, Phoenix, pretty beatable. Memphis, slumping right now. I think they're on a five-game losing streak. I don't think they will be by the time this game rolls around. <laughs> maybe but. they'll be on an eight game losing streak by the time we play them. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe John Morant will have demanded a trade. Um, we can only dream. But, you know, this feels like a potentially a 2-2, maybe a 3-1 week if we see a good version of the Raptors. I, I doubt this is a 1-3. in three. I, I feel like we can beat Utah or Phoenix here. And so, you know, if it's a 3-1 week... Is that enough signs of life for this this front office where they've gone 6 and 2 over the last 2 weeks before the the deadline that they think that they're putting it together and all of a sudden this team is a real playoff team? I'm a little scared Aaron. I'm a little scared. To bring it back, is 3 and
0: 1 are they having a conversation or are they just blinking and breathing and you know waking up and you know opening their eyes? I, you know how I feel about this team. Even if they go four and zero, I won't be convinced.
1: No, but, but like, let's yeah. put ourselves in the shoes of like Masai and Bobby. Like, what do we think they're gonna do? Like, do, are you convinced that I think? Like, I'm I not convinced the that they're gonna of, trade everybody. I'm not convinced. I think they could hold this whole core together, and I'm scared. I think them. I
0: think they could. To answer your question, I think there's like a 30 percent chance that they just don't trade anyone. But I think I think that they are open to trading people. But they are going, they have sort of like lines in the sand of like, okay, we need to get this amount of return for this player kind of thing. But then there's also so many different pathways this team can go. We're, we're talking about trading players, but there's also just trades that they could make to just reset this team and not not blow it up. Like sort of just trade, you know, like I, I heard on a podcast this week, trading OG and and Gary Trent for Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, right? Like your team isn't materially worse for doing that, right? It's just different. So there's also that's trades like that. Trade. That's yeah. an interesting trade. So, you know, there's there's all of these sort of like different ways this team can go. And the one we've been focused on is, is tanking because I think that's the one that, that we feel like they need to go, right? But they can also make trades for equivalent value or even potentially upgrade this team, God forbid. But uh, but they, they have to have triggers for, like, if we are going to tank, we need to be able to get this much for this guy, this much for this guy, right? There's lines in the sand, like, we can't tank. Yes, we might get a good deal for OG, right? But if we can't get anything that we want for Pascal and Freddie and Gary Trent, does it make sense to just trade OG and make this team worse, right? Like, it, you, all these things are related to each other, and unless they can do all or at least a lot of the things that they would be willing to do, I don't think they're going to do, you know, just trade Fred Van Vliet and then also like still trying to compete. Right. So the, these things have to work in tandem to some extent. So I think there's a, there's a decent chance, probably higher than most fans would anticipate of directors just holding, holding all their cards and not trading any of them because, you know, the fit that they want, the deals that they want to work together just don't materialize. They don't get what they think that they need to.
1: I've got pretty good news on that front, though, because the Raptors, they hold all the cards here. Like they're essentially playing a game of chicken with the 29 other teams in the league that are interested in prying away assets from the Raptors. All these other contending teams, not 29, there's probably like, you know, 10 teams. <laughs> But, it's enough for a bidding war, though. <laughs> yeah. And th- the good news is that there's just not a lot of other compelling talent available on the market. Because yeah. so many teams are in the play-in conversation, playoff conversation, com- competitive for a championship because the season's so wide open. There's just not teams that are being like, oh, yeah, we, we want to get rid of our star players and rebuild and retool those teams have done that already there's teams like the Pacers where at the start of the year you would have been like oh yeah Miles Turner is going to get traded well he just signed a great extension with the Pacers and it looks like they're going to keep on to him because they've been a good team and they want to keep winning some basketball games like these other players are just not available and so the Raptors players like they have all the leverage here to get great trade offers and I think if that doesn't happen if no trades are made i'd start asking questions about this front office because Absolutely. it just seems like everything is moving towards them being in a great position to do this and so if they don't take advantage if they don't strike while the iron is hot i'd be pretty concerned yeah that's where i'm
0: there's there's a number of teams out there that i think should be trading everything that's not nailed down washington chicago Come to but mind. Chicago doesn't
1: but, have their draft pick this year, right?
0: Yeah, they don't have the draft pick this year. Also, like that would be admitting defeat for their front office that, that yeah. tried to win, right? And Washington, Washington is just they like... They seem a,
1: happy with their core. They, they want to bring back on yeah, Big Mac.
0: Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause, right? And then we look at, in the Western Conference, the one team that I think could gum things up for the Raptors is the Utah Jazz. They have a bunch of good players who they could potentially undercut the Raptors for deals, especially for Fred Van Lee. You know, they have Mike Conley who maybe is cheaper to acquire and can do a lot of the same things that Fred can. Uh, And then they also just have a lot of like good to decent veterans that are on cheaper contracts than the Raptors guys. If you just, if you just want to get a rotation piece, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be cheaper than the Raptors guys. So,
1: yeah, but those that's, guys are
0: all a tier below her. Exactly. But like, but those are that's the only other team that you could see being a seller that has good players, right? So Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, there it's if you if you're a seller, I mean, I don't know how many buyers there are, but if you're a seller, like there's just not many other teams that are selling. So good time to good time fingers crossed to be in the Raptors position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We just have to hope they make the right moves, the right offers become available. That's all we're praying for this week. But that being said, Raptors fans, don't hold your breath. I think this is going to come down to the wire. February 9th is the trade deadline. So we still got another week of basketball with this team. And honestly, I'm just going to try and savor this group of players playing together. Freddie's been a huge part of this franchise, Pascal. You know, like these guys were part of the championship unit. OG was hurt then, but still they've been around so long. I I love this group of players even though they haven't had the success that we hope for this year. There's lots of great memories with these guys and they all just seem like good people, you know? And so it's going to be tough to see them traded away if that does end up happening even though the like basketball GM in my brain wants this all to happen for the long-term growth of the franchise. These are still human beings that I love and it's going to be tough to see them go. But so I'm just going to try and enjoy this next week and, you know, we'll see how much longer this group has together. Yeah.
0: There's, you know, our next podcast, we're looking to do that on February the 5th. That's four days before the NBA trade deadline. So I doubt any deals would happen before then but it's possible like we've already seen the rory hachimer trade right like if teams figure out sort of what they want to do there is there is some kind of advantage to doing it now getting ahead uh can can be a good thing sometimes i don't think it's going to happen for this team but yeah, next week like you said this could be the last week for a lot of these for this iteration of the raptors
1: team so yeah. We'll be refreshing Twitter constantly all week long. <laughs> Work productivity down. Yeah, absolutely down. Twitter refreshes up. <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk stock up. Yeah, I have three different ad blocks, so I don't think they make anything
0: for me. But
1: Yeah, I hope he's not getting anything from me either. All right, that's a great place to end it, I think, for this week. If you want to send us an email... Send us one at Raptors Mail at gmail.com. You can ask us about anything Raptors related or otherwise. We'll read out whatever you say. So it's Raptors Review Mail at gmail.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. It's an exciting time to be a Raptors fan. Lots of possibilities ahead for this team. That's all for now. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.